Okay. So, um, I think we're both. Uh, I think we're both on air. This is show business. Yeah. We're rolling, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to show business. <laughs> this is. Uh, uh, I'm Dan, and I'm Showbiz Eric. Show, sh- side show. I mean, yeah, <laughs> Showbiz Pizza Eric. Yeah. That's Ooh, my name. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm Chucky Dan, or oh, yeah, Danny nice. Danny Cheese. <laughs> Wouldn't that be a great name for like, I like it. Show business. Mm. Show business. Mm. Yeah. Did you hear that? (laughs) Chuck E. Cheese was actually in the news. Not that long ago, three (laughs) or four years ago. Um, I don't know why I pay attention to any of this, but, Mm -hmm. um, well I do because it's easy to pay attention to nonsense. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, especially like right now, but Three or four years ago, um, they were accused of, uh, like, taking their leftover, like, the pizza that... Oh, yeah. Yeah, the pizza yeah. that uh, customers left on the table and then, like, blending them in with, like, other pizzas. <laughs> yeah. And then serving yeah. it to customers. Um, I have heard They that. were actually making, like, supposedly making pizzas out of, like, pizza that had already been... That, ha- that, that remained uneaten on other like uh customers plates yeah that's totally bizarre yeah. i do remember like growing up when i went to showbiz pizza <laughs> uh as a kid i do remember their pizza being pretty underwhelming yeah yeah it's funny because if you go to the amana colonies um i think that's the whole deal <laughs> i think that's what family style means like whatever's left over they serve to someone else Oh, really? I'm to- no, I'm totally okay. making that okay. up. Was- That's so gross. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, that, uh, but you- no, for some reason, I always thought that, like about the Amana colonies. Like, <laughs> if you didn't eat all your corn, like they just put it back in the big corn bin or something. I don't know. That sounds but- like a Simpsons episode thing or something, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's- all the corn you can't eat. <laughs> yeah. But I, I do got to say, man, the uh, <clears throat> few times that I've been to the Amana colonies with my parents, uh-huh. Uh, their food was pretty pretty good. Like yeah, it was yeah. like uh, it was like all that down home stuff stick to your ribs, you know. For call sure. an ambulance in about a half hour, you yeah. know. Uh, ham, butter. It, I, like they, I don't even think that's about it. They yeah. didn't even give ham you. Yeah, they didn't even <laughs> give you like, you know, they gave you bowls of butter. Like yeah. In fact, I'm pretty sure <laughs> that all of the food was just butter. It was just yeah. like, literally made uh, sculpted out of butter. Right. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> just like the uh, cow at the state fair. It's a, a butter <laughs> sculpture. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm, good green beans. Nope. That's butter. That's butter. That's all that is. <laughs> you thought you were getting health food, but that's not. That's not what health we do here. <laughs> Even the green beans are literally just floating in butter, melted butter, though. Right. So, yeah. Dude, we gotta do a side podcast about food, man. <laughs> Like it does take up a lot of our conversation. Well, every time we talk about food, it like it fascinates me. They there's this thing yeah. right now um that they're showing on the history channel right now for the few people like that still actually have cable, like yeah. my dad. <laughs> um called like the food that built America. Oh. So they're it's like the history of like all of the uh foods that basically you know like fast food and 
mm-hmm. all the stuff that's going to kill you. You know, like, <laughs> nice. like they talk about, you know, Reese's and Hershey's and like the history mm-hmm. of all these candy bars and everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, I found out that uh, the guy who invented popsicles, uh, he came up with that idea because he accidentally and they don't explain how accidentally he accidentally froze a wooden stick in his soda. Huh. <laughs> it's like I I would be curious to know what the backstory of that is. Like how maybe just uh like sticking wooden sticks and things. Yeah. You know? Like I mean maybe that was his hobby. <laughs> maybe maybe he had like an outdoor shed. You know that it was it was his sticking shed and he um stick and stuck shed. wooden sticks and stuff. Yeah. But then uh it was cold out. And he forgot to clean up his hobby, sticking. And, yeah, it froze. I wonder what the first one was. My guess is grape. but um, The first know. soda? Who knows? Um, the first uh, popsicle. I actually think the first soda, I mean, I, I think I actually read this, but I think the first soda might have been, like, root beer. Yeah, that makes or, sense. Or maybe it was, like, just, like, a cola, like a standard cola or something. Yeah. Or a sarsaparilla or birch beer. Yeah, something like that. Ooh, man, sarsaparilla. I mean, yeah, I don't drink soda thing. very often anymore, but uh, I do like a good sarsaparilla once in a while. Yeah. Do you like birch beer? Mm. I uh, have vague memories of trying birch mm. beer. What, what's well, it like? Do you like uh, Lifesavers Winter Green or Candy Cigarettes? Um, <laughs> it's kind of the kind of the same flavor. Those are things that I, I well, Winter Green Lifesavers, sure, yeah. I mean, okay, I haven't Imagine had it that in a long as time. a soda. That that that's really? birch beer. Yeah, and it's, I love it. I mean, it sounds gross, but, <laughs> but it's um, awesome. Candy cigarettes, though, uh, don't <laughs> mm. really don't really taste like Winter Green Lifesavers, though. To me, they have a similar taste. I don't know. I was I was pretty addicted to him for a while. So. Well, yeah, I think every kid was. I love the fact that in America, I was up to like two packs a day for I, a while. I I love the fact. <laughs> I love the fact that in America they were actually like marketing, like candy, <clears throat> cancer stick, like these oh, yeah. horrible things that you're supposedly not supposed to do, yet they market it everywhere. Uh, yeah. to kids it's like that was really like because i know when i was a kid like i thought oh hey uh you know someday i'm gonna smoke a real cigarette oh yeah you know and i think For every sure. kid thought that and uh i find yeah. it fascinating do you remember when they had the bubble gum ones yeah and you could blow on them yeah and, and the smoke powder would come out yeah, yeah. it like looked like you were actually smoking a cigarette yeah yeah pretty cool it yeah, was. that's how I felt about like uh, toy machine guns. Was like someday I'm gonna have a real machine gun, <laughs> dude. The Super <laughs> Soaker was so great, though. That's true. Yeah. Like I remember, like <clears throat> me and my uh, neighborhood friends that uh, on Newell Avenue in Muscatine, Iowa. Man, we used to just chase each other all day long with like Super Soakers. In, yeah. on like a hot summer day we also all thought that we were like invincible ninjas or something well you probably were well I mean. maybe but i don't know it was kind <laughs> of uh that was sort of voided when i uh jumped from uh <laughs> my porch 
and uh, and almost broke my arm uh, wow. doing that. Um, ninjas don't break arms. They don't break their arms. No. I mean, they break other people's <laughs> arms. But yeah, almost all the time, probably. Almost yeah. all the time. <laughs> yeah, just breaking arms. Yeah, a long day of breaking arms. I think maybe like ninjas have evolved since the days of like <laughs> swords and nunchucks and size mm-hmm. and bows and yeah green skin and turtle shells and, <laughs> you know uh, senseis that are rats uh, yeah yeah which also um just as a little side note i've <laughs> actually been reading uh ninja turtles comics all week so oh the fir- the original or like newer ones or what no i um i uh uh i have all of the old like the old collection of the mm-hmm. first volume. And then there was a second volume, hmm. third volume, fourth volume. And now they're on the fifth volume. So like wow. I, I have the whole first volume. Most of it is just in trade paperbacks. Cause you know, like I'm not going to pay, I don't know, thousands, thousands of dollars for like the early issues. You know what I mean? So these are like the black and white ones. Yes. The, there were okay. S- Right. There were 62 issues of the original okay. black and white series. And then uh, Mirage <clears throat> published a second volume, which was only 13 issues. And that one was actually full color. And then Image hmm. Comics published a um, another volume in like 96, which was a weird mm-hmm. time for the Ninja Turtles franchise. Because everybody that was my age, which we were the demographic that the Ninja Turtles we were the exact demographic that the Ninja yeah. Turtles cartoon was appealing to. Mm-hmm. We were all 16 and we started getting into punk. Well, I shouldn't say we, uh, me, but I'm <laughs> probably like a, I'm probably like a lot of other people my age, you know, in 96, I was 16 and I didn't give a shit about the Ninja Turtles for a while. You know, mm-hmm. it wasn't until adulthood that I started to, um, really delve into the comics because, you know, gotcha. in the eighties, um, I was a kid, you know? So <laughs> yeah. I didn't um, read uh, the original comics, you know, yeah. I was introduced to the turtles because of the cartoon. Um, I didn't realize how violent an adult situation, like uh, the original comics were, um, yeah. but mm-hmm. Like volume three, the image, that one, kind of like that series I talked about last week, the Sonic Disruptors from mm-hmm. DC, that one, it got canceled um, after like 23 issues and it was supposed to be a 26 issue series. Um, so it, like the Sonic Disruptors, it got canceled uh, mm-hmm. on a cliffhanger because image just wasn't selling because the turtles weren't really a hot commodity Mm -hmm. in like 98 96 to like 98 or whatever but idw who is the current company that is publishing the current turtle series Mm -hmm. they reissued that image series under the name uh ninja turtles urban legends and they they completed the the entire series that was supposed to be completed but the image series went back to black and white, just like the first volume. Oh, okay. Gotcha. And, but, but IDW reprinted it in color. So mm. I have, um, 
the first volume, mostly in trade paperbacks. I have a few of the actual issues, but mm-hmm. mostly it's in trade paperbacks. I have the second volume in trade paperback. Um, I actually, at one time, I had all 13 issues of the second volume, but, you know, mm. I sold it because I needed money at the time for, uh, like, I now regret it because at the time, mm-hmm. um, it wasn't really worth that much, and now it is. Um, or at least yeah. it's a sought-after collector's item. And then I have all of the issues of the Urban Legends, and then I have 26 issues of the fourth volume. Uh, and that's what I read today. That's what I've been reading pretty much all week mm. is the fourth volume, which is also a black and white series. And that one was just called cool. TMNT. But there were 32 mm. issues of that, and I, I have 26 but 27 through 32 of that series, for some reason, it's they're very rare and also very value, val, uh, yeah, valuable. Um, mm. Like I went to eBay and like number 27, somebody was selling for one hundred and fifty dollars. I'm nice. like, wow. Like, so wow. I there's no way I'm going to buy 27 through 32. Um, mm, right. So <laughs> I'm reading I'm actually reading those issues <clears throat> online right now because I like to get the full story. And then I'm going to start the IDW series, which is like the fifth volume or like the revamp that, that mm. came out in like 2000. And uh, I don't know. I think it was like 2011 was the first issue. I'm a, I'm a huge turtles fan, Eric. Like I could, yeah, that's I could cool. talk about Ninja turtles. Like, you know, some people, you know, it's like with some people it's the X-Men, it's Spider-Man or whatever. For me, it was the mm-hmm. Ninja turtles. They were always like, that's my cool. absolute yeah. favorite like and uh also the cartoons too um have you ever watched any of the 2003 revamped series uh no the 2003 no. cartoon is really good because it's actually based uh mostly on uh the black and white comics although it's oh, not as violent okay. because it was still you know it was still supposed to be for kids but mm-hmm. anyway so yeah Ninja Turtles. This, cool. this is now a podcast about the Ninja Turtles. Apparently. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know hardly anything about the Ninja Turtles. I, um, I first heard of them in, it was probably 1989. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe earlier. I don't know. 88. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. But the reason was, is because of Danny Spitz from Anthrax. Well, just Anthrax in general, but then Dan Spitz um, had a custom Jackson Rhodes Flying V with the Ninja Turtles on it, and I was like, what the hell are those things? And then, yeah, found out it was the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and so I got those original comics, the black and white ones, probably at, um, oh... Who's that man downtown? Oh, Lang's <laughs> wholesale. Lang's, yeah, yeah I'm sure I got him at Lang's, and um, yeah, and so I had those, and then I think I had probably a couple of the first ones, also or the first color ones, also, but that was about it. By the time the cartoon came out, I wasn't that into it. Um, but yeah, I I think I remember seeing the first Ninja Turtles movie and. Mm liked Casey Jones like everyone did and um sure yeah but yeah other than that I don't know much about him unfortunately so 
I really enjoyed those first original comics. Oh, they were they were lot, fantastic. Even though I was probably way too young to have been reading them. Yeah. Um, but that's what Lang's existed for as far as I well, can Well, yeah, tell. I mean, so. uh, I was way too young to be doing a lot of things when I was 13, 14, <laughs> yeah. whatever. You know what I mean? Like, right. Um, I wish that I had uh, actually delved into the original Turtles because they, B. Dalton, that bookstore that used to be in the Muscatine Mall, they used to mm-hmm. have all of the collections. So, like, oh, yeah. I, and I wish that I would have, uh, tricked my mom into getting them you know but right um and i i it probably wouldn't have even been tricking them because i wouldn't have at that point i probably didn't realize how violent they actually were like the first issue a lot of people don't realize this shredder was only a character in the first issue of the original Hmm. series because and you probably know this because you said that you had some of the original comics but Splinter mm-hmm. literally trained the turtles to kill the shredder at the end of the first issue. Like the whole first mm. issue, he was training them to kill shredder and they actually killed shredder at the end of the first issue. So he was not mm-hmm. a reoccurring character in the comics at all. Wow. He was only a reoccurring mm. uh, character in the cartoon and all the other cartoons and, you know, stuff like, I mean, he's, he's like their arch enemy in like the cartoon world and the movie right. world. But in the comics, he doesn't really exist, at least in the Mirage and Image series. Right. I haven't delved into the IDW series yet, so I don't know. That that mm. might be a complete revamp that they did and you know, maybe they did bring the shredder back. You know, I'm not I'm not really sure. But yeah, yeah. It, it's crazy, man. Cool. There's so much <laughs> stuff out there, including records, music music is out there. oh yeah and boy ladies and gentlemen do we have uh, a treat <laughs> of uh, quite an assortment of records to talk about this week yeah. that both eric and i were into and yeah. i'm excited to talk about this this uh, batch oh nice um, cool so what uh i don't remember who started last time do you eric um i think you did all right maybe. i'm gonna i that's what i was gonna say i was gonna just say you go ahead and go first okay oh uh, well let's see who should i start with um i guess i could start with uh esg mm. um the album's called come away with esg it was released in 1983 and it is just about the most goddamn fun record in the world (laughs) i absolutely adore this record um i'll try to describe it and it shouldn't be hard because it is very simplistic the music as far as i i'm concerned but so it has like a really bass forward kind of bass oriented um rhythmic super rhythmic no wave kind of sound to it like section 25 or liquid liquid or even the young marble giants which i apparently talk about every single week now (laughs) but so it has elements like that um i would say especially like liquid liquid very very similar um but then there's also like this straight up 60s 
soul like girl group kind of feel to things too like the dixie cups or the ronettes and so you have these two things that come together i think the production like i said it's mostly just bass drums um and a vocalist who really does remind me of uh ronnie specter from the ronettes um but then there's some uh, also some synth and there's some dub elements to the production a lot of delays uh, organs come in and out sometimes, but, um, this is actually starting to get a lot more attention now, which is why I thought I should mention it because somebody out there may have honestly heard this in like an, uh, old Navy commercial at this point, or I think it's in some movie I watched recently, uh, maybe pineapple express or some comedy or something. The song Dance, which is the second one on this record, is um, probably the one they're most known for. But anyway, I think if you check it out, you'll have a lot of fun with it. And I can't help. I Honestly, I think my picks have become a little happier lately. And I think it has to do with a lot of different things. But, you know, the vaccine getting distributed... It's getting kind of like spring-ish outside. I don't know. I'm sort of cautiously letting myself um, be a little more upbeat than I have been probably for the last few months. You, you have so to be cautious this, about being upbeat. Yeah. Yeah. I think in this day and age, maybe a little bit. But um, And so this record, I always put it on if I want to. Well, okay. Here's a secret about me. I dance a lot. People are not going to believe that. I don't believe it. But I, I know. But I do. I seriously. I want to see you dance. And, uh, okay. <laughs> Put on ESG, and I. And no, I, will. I mean I want you um, to film yourself, and I want you to send me the video clip. <laughs> For people who uh, subscribe to our Patreon. No, I'm just kidding. That's um, a great idea. We should we should start a Patreon for that sole purpose. Yeah, you'll get to see a video of me dancing to, to You know what? My I'm going to do a poll on um, Instagram and I'm serious. <laughs> if we start a Patreon and we promise that people who subscribe will get a video, an exclusive video of uh, Eric Whitaker dancing to ESG, will you join our right. Patreon and pay us? Yeah, I'm I'm into it. Okay. I'm into it. I'll do it. Anyway, I love to Keep dance. Keep that in mind, listeners. I, this <laughs> this album uh, always makes me do that. And even if I'm not doing that, it is just so much fun. And I I can't say enough about it. I think the p- production's really interesting and cool. It moves. And it's just super fun. So, yeah, what do you think, Dan? Dude, I got to say, man, this is um, absolutely incredible. I uh, listened to this, and right away I was hooked. I listened to it three times. And I, um, I had no idea this existed, but I Mm -hmm. think I, it makes sense when you talk about commercials, I'm pretty sure I heard Mm -hmm. this band in a commercial. And I remember Mm -hmm. like thinking this is just some of the funkiest music I've ever heard. Um, I love the minimalist approach, you know, like you Mm -hmm. mentioned, uh, it's just like bass with a little bit of synthesizers and some singing and drums, And it's just sort of like a great combination of funk, soul, and post-punk. Now, for me, I hear a lot of stuff that came after it, which I think that this was probably a very influential 
um, band mm-hmm. to a lot of people, a lot of bands that I specifically listen to. For example, mm-hmm. um, the vocals, uh, when there is vocals, uh, reminds me a lot of like the stuff that Kathleen Hanna would do in La Tigra specifically. Oh, yeah. I've never even um, thought of that. Absolutely. Good call. Dance yeah. obviously is a great groovy track. The yeah. You Make No Sense, it yeah. reminds me of Yeah, Yeah, Yeah's and like Karen O totally. and like the gossip hear that. and stuff. The bass mm-hmm. playing on Parking Lot Blues specifically mm-hmm. reminds me of Joe Lally from Fugazi. I took notes. Sure, I can hear I took that. Notes. I yeah. took notes on all, all your records this week because I just loved cool. all of them. Um, I think that uh, it it sounds like punk rock a lot of times, mm-hmm. but with like a soul singer. And, you know, yeah, like I hear like reggae-inspired sure. stuff about you moody but one thing yeah. in doing research about this band that i found really interesting this is not on yeah. this album but their track ufo is apparently one mm-hmm. of the most sampled tracks in the history of hip-hop oh so yeah i can see that there are so many cuts on the drums on this you could you i mean you could have an entire rap career just with sampled esg drums absolutely for and sure then, and then and like, then um uh, sorry to cut you off there, Eric, but um, not at all. Moody, the yeah. song Moody sounds to me, mm-hmm. this is going to sound really weird, but it sounds like house music that is made mm-hmm. with real instruments instead of, well, I shouldn't say real instrument, but house music not made with electronic instruments, like organic house right. music. Like, and yeah, then I, I read that, that um, that song, <laughs> after I thought of that, I read that that song was particularly influential in the UK house wow. scene. So like nice. yeah. <laughs> this, cool. this stuff, this ESG is pretty yeah. much, I would say uh, legendary. And that's probably one of the reasons why it's gaining more attention now more than ever, because yeah. a lot of this, a lot of stuff that came after it, I think uh, was really influenced by it. And the whole La Tigra, mm-hmm. uh, Kathleen Hanna thing, Um, that just, when I first, when I heard that the vocals on, I don't even remember what specific song it was, but Mm -hmm. there there was a specific song early. It was like one of the first four tracks. I was like, wow, there's no way that Kathleen Hanna hasn't heard this (laughs) band. For sure. Yeah. I can see that. Uh, I can see that now. I've, I never put that together, but absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Fantastic record. I'm so glad you put this on cool. the list. I'm, I'm seriously, if I find this, this is a, a record that if I find it in uh, physical form, I'm probably going to buy it because it's yeah, so good. I've never seen it, but uh, yeah, it might be out there. <laughs> Someone will probably do a re-release if they haven't well, already too. Even so if it's not, it's possible. on Spotify, which is good enough for me. Yep. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so nice. All right. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and uh, I'm going to start my list off with uh, something that is just, this is just a total like uh, out of left field. It's not my favorite record from this artist by a long mm-hmm. shot, but I just found it so fascinating because I didn't even know it existed. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about this artist a little bit. Um, speaking of Casey Jones, he kind of reminds me of Casey Jones 
like a combination <laughs> of Casey Jones from the Ninja Turtles and like, I don't know, Lemmy or something. Uh, and uh, that's Andrew W.K. Um, mm-hmm. And he put out this album. It's his fourth album um, called 55 Cadillac. Did you know about this record, Eric? Uh, I had never listened to it before. Neither nope. had I. And I started listening to Andrew W.K. again recently uh, mm-hmm. because... I just love, like, I Get Wet, I think, was one of the best rock records of, like, the 2000s. And it sounded like a combination of, like, Cheap Trick, Motorhead, and, like, the song And We Danced by the Hooters. You know, it just just has this, like, Karate Kid score vibe to it. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like, it, it, or, like, it has that, you're the best. Uh, nothing you know whatever that song is um yeah because andrew wk's lyrics are always like kind of uplifting anyway Mm -hmm. and i guess he's a motivational speaker now which totally makes sense yeah um andrew wk has always been kind of an anomaly we talk briefly about some of the there's conspiracy theories surrounding the guy that there might steve mike steve mike which i think is we could do a whole episode on that um, yeah, because it's <laughs> so fascinating, um, because Andrew WK really was an anomaly that just came out of nowhere, like in 2001. Mm-hmm. I remember somebody told me that, that it was, uh, Whitfield Crane, the old singer of ugly kid Joe and that WK, <laughs> that was his initials. Oh. So that the, wow. you know, somebody thought that and, Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if it was, but he's not, you know, um, it would be, that would make it even more hilarious. Um, but, uh, there's something about Andrew WK that I just, uh, I always found fascinating because he, while his music is at times just incredibly just short and to the point and stupid and all about partying and stuff. There was always like this serious side to it that I always kind of like there were, there was also like songs on I get wet that are kind of, they're sort of about just finding yourself and being young and dumb and, and love and Mm -hmm. things like that. You know what I mean? But he doesn't do it in like this really like sort of, you know, cheesy way or whatever, you know, like the song Mm -hmm. girls own love. That's, that's a great song, you know? Yeah, I love that. I, yeah, it's so good. Yeah. And and the cheap trick again, like Dream Police, like I'm pretty sure Andrew WK has listened to Dream Police yeah, quite a bit in his I would life. Guess so. Um yeah. <laughs> but anyway, uh so this is his fourth album. Uh he put out a couple of records. One called The Wolf, which was the follow-up to I Get Wet. And then that mm-hmm. right after that is when the Steve Mike stuff started to come to light, which those of you, I'm not going to take the time to explain what Steve Mike is, but those of you who don't know what that is, just look it up. There's stuff all over the internet about it. Um, but uh, anyway, um, and then Close Calls with Brick Walls was his third record, which that was um, released in Japan only because of the Steve Mike stuff. Um, and you do listen to it, and it does sound like a different person, but, you know. I'm sure Andrew WK with the 
musical talent. He's basically a musical prodigy. I mean, he plays mm-hmm. like he played all the instruments on like more than one of his albums, you know, and mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm sure that he could, he, he probably has like a Mike Patton thing going on with his voice. Maybe not specifically like that, but he can change pitch and change tone. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Sure. But anyway, the thing that's really interesting about 55 Cadillac is it's a concept record <laughs> about a 55 Cadillac that is simply an instrumental solo piano album. And it's so strange and weird that I just, when I listened to it, I, I was just intrigued. Um, it He stated, now this is in my research of the album, he stated that he wanted it to sound like freedom. Uh, he wanted the sound of a piano being played by a free man and just to record improvisations on a piano. I have no idea what this album has to do with a 55 Cadillac, but, um, you know, I think that's awesome. Like the me Mm -hmm. personally, I, you know, I mean, is it supposed to mimic like sort of like a ride in a 55 Cadillac? I think maybe so, but you know, I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure what his decision, uh, making process was in naming the record 55 Cadillac. Uh, but mm-hmm. it's extremely interesting. It's eight tracks of just improvisation on a piano. And it's like, it's such a left field release for somebody like Andrew WK, who previously, you know, was doing songs like Party Hard. And I mean, that's what really got him. And playing like shows with like hardcore and punk bands and somehow being embraced by the hardcore punk and metal community all at once um with you know with his style of of music uh for him to do like a record like this is just extremely brave and um it's not something that i'm going to go back and listen to all the time but i just i think it's really interesting what are your thoughts about it eric um yeah well like you said uh i get wet is phenomenal it easily is on my uh seemingly infinite um top 20 list of all time Mm -hmm. (laughs) that includes thousands of albums um but yeah i it's one of my it is one of my favorites i just love it uh it's always funny to me when people describe what andrew wk sounds like and yours was you know that combination of things the one that i wrote down for this podcast was uh, if you combine journey poison and ministry then you dude that's that's but that's pretty much the same thing as cheap trick motorhead and right and the uh the hooters yeah yeah some of those uh, vocals on i get wet are just like it is straight up al jorgensen like uh, yeah definitely heavy screaming you know or even like KMFDM or something like real industrial, yeah. um, kind well, of and stuff. But, one um, of the reasons why, uh, yeah. sorry to interrupt, but, um, one Not of the reasons all. I picked motorhead was because, uh, at times his voice reminds me of Lemmy too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I love that record. Um, someday I'll talk about the impact it had on my personal life, but, uh, I'm going to forego that now to tell a different story. <laughs> so, um, 
Andrew WK played at Ribco a few years ago. It might be a decade ago. I don't know. I'm old, you know. Um, Who was the opening act, I, by, uh, by the way? I don't know if there was okay. one. So this is how it worked out. And I may be totally wrong, but I think he was invited there by people to, that had to do with um, Day Trotter. Okay, that, and, that makes sense. And so... I don't know if it was like an open show or if it was kind of an invite only show or something like that where there wasn't any um, advertising, no promotion for the show, essentially. And so uh, Brooke Strauss was invited and he invited me to go with him. So we went and this album, I don't know if it was in support of this album, Um but this is the kind of stuff he played. Oh, shit. So everyone there is expecting an Andrew W.K. concert, right? And it is. He's there, but he's playing the piano. There's a grand piano on the stage. And it might have been a baby grand. I don't want to oversell my story too much. But um, And uh, the group Mondo Drag is playing as his sort of backup band. And so wow there's oh mondo just, drag he's just playing these sort of uh, improv yeah yeah from from the, the quad cities. from the quad cities um, okay got that had a yeah. johnny clooney in it i think yeah and he went on to do lord green is that right uh no not him no. He, he uh he was in like the quiet bears but i think one of the members you remember noah's okay. band seen him in zero yeah uh-huh. he was the second singer um, in oh, Cena okay. Manzura, uh, Noah Kester, one of our other friends that we, um, that is just a horrible, I, I, I've pretty much decided that every friend that we mentioned should just be the most horrible person on earth. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you're not lying. They're terrible people. Every single no. one of them. Um, you might, so yeah. you might be so. next <laughs> listener. You might be next. Yeah. Hope you never met us. Um, so, yeah. So anyway, uh, Mondo Drag is playing with them and it's like this kind of music. It's all on the piano. It's a little jazzier than this because this is a little like rock oriented. And I'll get to that in a second. But so he plays these piano songs for a while, like maybe an hour. Oh, my gosh. Right? And everyone's just like, oh, he's really going to do this, you know, and everyone who went was told like, Andrew WK is coming here. He's just going to play the piano and that's it. He doesn't even have his band. How, how could he do anything else? You know, but still people are sort of like, well, he's not even going to sing or like play the songs. He's just going to kind of play like improvisational jazz stuff on the piano. And, um, so it went on for a long time. And then everyone, uh, was like, he was like, okay, well, thanks so much. Um, he was like, uh, but he, he said, there's one other thing I wanted to say be- to you guys before we left. And he said, when it's time to party. And they started into party hard. And I've never, ever in my life seen anything more explosive and ecstatic and terribly violent than that moment at Ribco. I, I swear. I've, I've seen Slayer. And this was insanely more violent than that. I mean, I've seen people crowd kill at hardcore shows. This was worse. 
Everyone was just climbing over each other, stomping on each other's heads, just grabbing at Andrew WK while they played party hard. Oh man. Um, and it was, it was terrifying. Like, because it went from essentially an entire room of people bored and disappointed to a violent riot. Like it <laughs> looked like the Capitol on one six. <laughs> Sorry. Terrible. No, 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 no. That, um, uh, that let's, <laughs> let's talk about the Capitol on one six, but then every, you use everyone. that to reference a lot of things. I think it's funny. <laughs> um, but no, and everyone just got all bloodied up and, uh, they played a couple more of the rock songs and then it really was over, but I've never seen something explode like that at a show. And it was, it was really cool. So, um, I don't know why I felt the need to tell that story, except that, um, I think, I think on one level, Andrew WK understands building that tension and, and the release. And that's how this record works is you have a long time of just piano and it's like mostly rock and roll. Like it reminds me of like, like if you isolated the piano tracks on Billy Joel songs, that's what it reminds me of. Yeah. And that's okay. But it also sounds like Andrew WK's songs, just it's all on piano and not the band. And so all that's cool. And it's cool to hear it played that way on the piano, you know, to hear basically just a, a, a slim down version of those songs. And so, um, I didn't know it was improvisational. And so one of my notes I wrote down is I wonder if this is how he writes his songs because that's what it sounded like to me. Like it's a fully realized song. He just has to go, okay, well, I already wrote the bass part with my left hand and I already wrote the lead guitar part with my right hand, Yeah, you know? And so it's really cool. I don't think I'm going to return to it and listen to it very often if ever. And that that's not me trying to be a jerk. It's just like, I, I didn't get a lot out of it other than, wow, he's really good. And wow. I wonder if this is how he constructs his songs. And it was sort of a behind the scenes interest in Andrew WK. Yeah. The story that made me enjoy it. The story, so, the story behind the record is a lot more interesting than the actual album yeah, itself. Right. And so, uh, yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was cool, but again, I probably won't go back to it. Yeah. It, so, it sounds like yeah. to me, this record, I, I, I did, I did enjoy listening to it once through. <laughs> sure. Yeah. It's the record sounds to me like if, if motorhead and cheap trick and the Hooters song, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, and we danced if they all uh-huh. decided to just do an improv piano album. Right. That's what that. <laughs> like if yeah. Lemmy, yeah. if Lemmy made an improv piano album, that, no, I'm just kidding. Um, but um, <laughs> I will say that uh, the best Andrew WK album by far, in my opinion, though, actually, is not mm-hmm. "I Get Wet." Uh, even though mm. that would be my second favorite, very close second. Mm-hmm. Um, but he released a record after this, his fifth album called "You're Not Alone." Mm-hmm. Yeah. That album is a masterpiece, if you ask me. All right. I'll have to check Very, it out. I, I'm sure I've heard it, but not not enough to 
really dig in, I guess. Very so underrated in my opinion. I um the last track on it, which is the title track if I'm not mis- mm-hmm. misremembering. Um there is no reason why that song shouldn't be the uh like the victory song in every single movie where there's like a victory. <laughs> like it's just so nice. good. Like yeah, and it's a very positive record too. There's there's a lot cool. more to Andrew WK than meets the eye. At first, on, f- oh, on yeah. first whim, you really think that it's just some bonehead or something, you know? Right. Like like. Well, I I yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Like a real life Casey Jones, you know what I mean? Right. But like, I get so excited about Andrew no, he's, WK. <laughs> dude, he's fantastic. He's the man, dude. Yeah, and, uh, just to give uh, if. If anyone thinks that Andrew WK is just stupid and silly, which he is, don't get me wrong. But if you think it's just that, here's a little thing that I came up with. Listen to I Get Wet and pretend it's a concept album about being a vampire. (laughs) Dude, there were vampires in the... uh... It works really well, actually. (laughs) There were vampires in the plot of the Ninja Turtles comics I was reading this week. Oh, shit. Yeah, they... uh vampires bit Raphael and he turned into this big old like monster and now he can't oh, he can't go back uh into his regular form because of something I don't remember why like there's some genetic code that uh, it broke and yeah dude and then Donatello is small now like he's like wow. the size of like the size of a mouse and so it, yeah and then like Michelangelo's trapped on this uh, alien planet. Um, oh man, that sounds wild. And then Leonardo <laughs> Splinter. Well, dude, I'm sorry. Uh, like, I don't know how many people are going to read this 2001 <laughs> series uh, in 2021, 20 years later. I don't, I don't but know either. I'm going to give away so much spoilers if I keep going. So <laughs> let's go on to your next record. Eric. Nice. All right. Um, Let's see. Sorry, I'm really taking a while to decide here. Let's go with, and I don't know if I'm going to say this right, Dose 1? Yeah, is that that's right? right, Dose 1. Okay, yes. Dose 1. So I didn't know and still don't know anything about Dose 1, so I'm going to depend on um, Dan to flesh this out <laughs> a little bit. But, okay, so my friend Phil, who makes music as Mall of America... Um, and actually, he just put something up on Bandcamp um, that is music that him and my late friend, our late friend, Sean Jones, made. Oh, yes. Um, I saw something some about point that. In the past. I don't know exactly the details, but um, that's just called Jones and Mall. So that's really cool. And it, it sounds awesome. So I'll um, have to check anyway, that out for sure. Yeah. Phil told me about uh, Cloud Dead or yes. clouded yes okay and i really enjoyed it i liked it a lot um and so i saw that dose one was a member or a contributor or whatever to cloud dead so i hardly ever listen to the new album by people and i hardly ever listen to the first album by people because <laughs> i just don't think they're representative so i picked the second record by dose one called ha from 2005 ha I wasn't just having some kind of fit there. Ha <laughs> is the name yes. of the album. Um, I liked it a lot. It's very strange and dark and heavy 
and it's hip hop ish and funky, but it's also very experimental. There's tons of vocoder on it that sort of remind me of like tobacco or something like that. Yes. There's a lot of big epic soundscapes, a lot of atmospheric sound, but it's also very rhythmic. I don't want to make it sound like it is noise, even though there's some of that there. Um, I think it's really nerdy and brooding, which is a fun combination. It makes you feel kind of empowered, yet sort of damaged. It's kind of like a, and I know Marilyn Manson's in trouble and stuff, but it's kind of that same feeling or even like corn. If you were into that at some point, like being nerdy and brooding is somehow empowering. Um, And so I don't know. I pick up on a little bit of that element here too. Um, The last minute of the record is insane and it's pretty chilling, but also hilarious. It, the whole thing has sort of an outsider element to it. Um, almost like, I don't know, like Daniel Johnston or like those Shea St. John videos, if you ever watch those. Yeah. Um, and not just the Shea St. John voice, but also the actual music in those videos. And so, I don't know. I felt like this was really um, dark, but sort of fun somehow and pretty out there. And I'm I'm excited to dig into more because I can't imagine this represents what Dose One sounds like all the time. It, I assume that it either gets weirder or it gets more like hip hop as we go on. But for it to stay here and for them to have so many records, it seems improbable because it looked like they had tons of records. Well, Do- so, Dose One is a, is a rapper. Okay, he's, he's, yeah. he's one dude. Right. So, uh, yeah, it looks like there's a bunch of other records. So um, I'm excited to see where where they go from this one. So, yeah. Sure. So, yeah. But uh, Lisa, drop some knowledge on us, Dan, because well, you you know a lot about Dose One. Well, I don't like. know a lot about him, but <laughs> what I do know is that he's the co-founder of the Anticon label, which back hmm. in the day when I was getting into, like, underground indie hip-hop, like – all the definitive Jux and Rhyme Sayer stuff and Cool Keith and Dell mm-hmm. the Funky Homo Sapien and all that stuff that was all kind of putting out their most groundbreaking work at that time. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the Anticon was one of those that was kind of thrown in. Um, you know, yet another, another hip-hop label to kind of watch out for for people who don't want to listen to 50 Cent, but they still mm-hmm. want to hear you know, rap music. Um, also there's a guy named soul who puts out a lot of cool stuff on that label as well. Um, and, uh, also there's the producer gel, um, J spelled J E L. There's also alias and they're all kind of like the co-founders of this, um, Anticon label, uh, Cool. Another really interesting group called Restiform Bodies. And you mentioned Cloud Dead. There's also another guy named Y, uh, spelled hmm. W-H-Y question mark. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, cool. And it's they've always just been like, like the weirdest hip hop uh, out of, hmm. I mean, Definitive Jux got kind of weird with like Aesop Rock and even like mm-hmm. the early LP stuff, like way pre Run the Jewels and, um, you know, 
the production on like Cannibal Ox's first record mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But Anticon was always like just really like pushing the boundaries. And so this is those ones, I believe you it's I believe it is it's his second record, right? I'm just going by Spotify. Okay, yeah. The second I, one they have I think on it, there. I yeah. think it is his second one. I'm not really sure. Uh, he has a lot of releases and mm-hmm. a lot of collab albums. But mm. one of the things that got me into like Dose One, and I don't really listen to a lot of Dose One, but he was in a group. Well, it was a, um, I guess, more of a collective uh, back mm-hmm. in like '97. Um, called Deep Puddle Dynamics, and they put out this record, and, oh, man, I can't remember what the title of it is. I just call it self-titled, um, but I know it's not self-titled. It's something about the rain. Uh, okay. The only reason why I call it self-titled is because the title's not anywhere on the cover. Um, hmm. It just says mm-hmm. Deep Puddle Dynamics. But this was a collective-slash-group that featured all Anticon artists alias hmm. the producer gel uh dose one soul and then one rapper that was not an anticon rapper and that is one of my favorite rappers slug from the group atmosphere who hmm. i know that you mm-hmm. enjoyed yeah, their I late their that. latest yeah. record um mm-hmm. and so it was it was very weird in re- well now in retrospect it's very weird and interesting that slug was involved in that collective mm. because his style is completely different than like the anti-con, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sort of thing. But, um, yeah, dose one, um, his first record, and I've heard his first record. Um, and I can't remember what that one is called, but that one is more, more hip hop than this one. Mm-hmm. And I think, Cause I haven't heard anything past this record. Cause this mm-hmm. is the first time I've heard this record. I wouldn't mm-hmm. be surprised if he just kind of continued in this direction because really? it seems cool. like a lot of the artists on that label, that's what kind of happened is after they got through like their hip hop sort of phase, they just started to like do more experimental stuff. Cause I would definitely consider this experimental like music, mm-hmm. hip hop type stuff. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, there's a lot of great stuff on here. Like, you know, he's got just this great weird rapping style that has, like you said, robotic vocals kind of thrown in. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it almost seems like it's for no reason. (laughs) Um, And then uh, parts of it sound like, I don't know if you're familiar with like MC Paul Barman or like MC front a lot, like the sort of Mm -hmm. nerd core rap. Um, Okay. You know, like, that was kind of happening in like the two thousands parts of it sound like even daft punk or something like that. Sure. Who just I can hear that. broke up by the way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> parts of it sound like trip hop, you know, um, mm-hmm. it's a very entertaining. Listen, uh, some of my favorite record, uh, songs on here was, uh, like the universe and six jumps. I love that one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. By horoscope one and two. The beat on that is insane. Yeah, I love that. It sounds like that's probably my favorite one. It sounds yeah, like the great. beastie boys mixed with like spoken word techno, the robotic vocals and stuff. Yeah. The end of the, of the song Axe jaw blew me away too. Yeah. Cause it sounds like sure. a John Carpenter record or something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 
And then he all of a sudden just out of the blue starts freestyle rapping over like a beatbox. <laughs> right. I know. There's there's this weird it's like so <laughs> sci-fi element. And actually there is yeah. one record that came to mind kind of. Uh mm-hmm. clipping splendor and misery. Parts of it. Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if like one of the at least one of the members of clipping were maybe inspired by like anti Sure, stuff. I can hear that. Yeah. Yeah, it's just really interesting, man. There's just um cool. I kind of feel this this record is also and I f- kind of feel Anticon in general were kind of ahead of their time. But I also feel that way about oh, a lot of the underground hip hop that was going on between like mm-hmm. we'll say the years 97 to like 2005 or mm. something, you know, cuz cuz if you think about it a lot of what's going on in the mainstream now mm-hmm. is very very much inspired like for example i talked about the um connection of like mf doom and like Mm -hmm. guys like earl sweatshirt and tyler the creator and stuff like that Mm -hmm. like there's a clear influence because at the time in like 2004 uh the hip-hop or even just the listening the music listening world in general just wasn't ready for like a record as as you know dense i think as like you know mad villain and certainly wasn't ready for something as crazy as dose one right but now (laughs) there's a lot of that crazy stuff is kind of becoming mainstream a little bit or at least for sure like even even like i i can hear like fire tools a little bit in this Mm -hmm. you know yeah just the approach to how he did the compositions and some of it sounded completely spontaneous some of it sounded like he was just maybe in his bedroom and you know what I mean? Some of it maybe was improv. I mean, who knows, Mm -hmm. but this is a clear, his first album was definitely more straightforward rapping with that nasally style. So it was like really like, um, uh, I can definitely say that there's a clear difference between the music of his first record and this one. Um, Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm curious to check out his later, like, you know, cause he's still putting out records today. Right. So <laughs> I'm curious to hear what direction he went in. If some artists kind of go back to, you know, what they right. did before. I'm curious if he ever did that or if he just kind of got more and more insane as time went right. on. Yeah. I'm excited to hear more by him for sure. Yeah, so. absolutely. Yeah. No, this was a great pick, Eric, for sure. Cool. Um, nice. Okay, so the next one I'm going to pick, this is an example of a band that, you know, I got into in the last couple years that I'm surprised I never got into, like, when I was younger because this band was just thrown in my face all the time from a lot of different people. Um, And that's Bajas, and this is their second album, Mask. I... Don't know if I like this record as good as I like the first album in a flat field, mm-hmm. but I like it probably just as good mm-hmm. um, for maybe different reasons. Um, but for some reason, this is the record that I really dug last week. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's a better sounding record if you're going to talk from the perspective of like, it's less noisy, but that's part of what I liked about like in a flat field was that it mm-hmm. basically sounded like a 
post-punk goth record, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I thoroughly enjoy the, you know, somewhat disjointed, you know, noisiness that I, I do mm-hmm. think some of it is, and when I say noisy, I don't mean like noise music, you know, just, there's just mm-hmm. definitely some abrasiveness. Maybe abrasiveness is a better term. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, there's still elements of that from the first album, but, uh, there's a lot of other things going on here that wasn't on the first record, like acoustic guitars. And there's like some like funk and even like reggae influences going on. Um, the opening track here, the dog, as well as kick in the eye, uh, you know, both kind of have that sort of funkiness kind of going on. Mm -hmm. Um, the man with the x-ray eyes is really cool. Um, hollow Hills is probably my favorite. I just Mm -hmm. like the creepy sort of vocal effect, but I really like this whole album of lilies and remains. Um, it, you know, like when I talk about sort of like the funk reggae elements, like that track in particular, I could see Mm -hmm. like fitting in on like a talking heads record, you know? Mm -hmm. And that kind of wasn't like that sort of element wasn't, I I don't feel was as present on, on in a flat field. I don't really know like which one I like better, but I love both of both of those records. And I also like the third record. Haven't gotten around Mm -hmm. to the fourth record yet, but I'm, I, I actually have the whole Bajas discography on my Spotify and when I listened to this for some reason, like I just had to go back and listen to it a couple more times. And yeah, I just, I really like it. Um, I know you're a Bajas fan, aren't you, Eric? Yeah, um, I am. Uh, I would say in the flat field is, I know that I am a very hyperbolic person. Sure. Everything is my favorite, blah, blah, blah. Sure. It's the best. It's the funniest. It's the stupidest, whatever. Um, but in the flat field is very seriously one of the biggest records of my life. Like it's up there with Velvet Underground and Nico. Uh, it's up there with the first Violent Femmes record, like things that literally changed the trajectory of the music I make for the rest of my life. Like Nickelback. Yeah, mostly. Yeah. I mean, that's the pinnacles Nickelback. Um, (laughs) But no, uh, so in the flat field, it to me is almost untouchable. I mean, it, there's a couple things on it that are a little silly or whatever, but I mean, it's ground zero for uh, so many things. Uh, people would say goth or whatever, um, and it is 100. percent Absolutely. Like how Black Sabbath is ground zero for heavy metal. It just is. It's where everything came together. Yes. And everything led to that moment, and everything after that moment is it comes from that and that's how the first Bauhaus record is um with that being said mask has never really done it for me i i love a, a lot of the songs i love hollow hills it's it's one of my favorites um and there are those moments where things slow down and they get creepy again the production is better than in the flat field in a lot of ways um, but for me, mask has always seemed a little rushed and I don't know 
if that's true, but um, like they didn't know they were going to be so successful and they were like, we got to get in there and make a record. And so a lot of this feels really well written, well played and well recorded. And a lot of it to me feels kind of like filler, like they were playing in the studio and they just sort of played the drums and they just sort of played a bass line over those drums. And Peter Murphy sort of sang atonally over that. There's really no like melody or, or song structure to a lot of it. And it doesn't quite do it for me as much as in the flat field or even like the sky's gone out or yeah. Burning from the inside is also really good. None of them can touch the first one for me. I, I think that's, like I said, just an untouchable record to me, but uh, mask still has a lot of the elements that made in the flat field. Good, especially um, Daniel Ash's guitar tone is just as abrasive and, and downright terrifying, you know, in places. Absolutely. It's just, it's one of the best guitar tones uh, out there. And it's technically terrible. Like it's worse than the Jesus and Mary chain guitar tone, which is almost unlistenable. Also one of my favorite guitar tones ever, but um, yeah, it's, it's never really been a Bauhaus record that does it for me um, all the way through. I do like a number of the songs and I like the tones that they create. And yeah, the drumming's really cool. Um, I think Haskins, is that the drummer's name? Yeah. Um, Kevin Haskins. I actually, I'm not um, sure. <laughs> he's He does a lot of that really um, almost like tribal drumming, really Tom oriented and I, I love all that so I, I like this record but if I'm gonna listen to a Bauhaus record it's probably not the one I'm gonna go to sure so sure not to not to talk smack on it too much no no it, um it's, and um, and I agree with yeah. you and a flat field is absolutely incredible I mean that that record is I think definitely uh and when I said that that masks was a better sounding record um I don't necessarily think that's a that's in you know enhanced it or any like it, part right. of in a flat field part of the reason why it was awesome was because of how it was recorded and because yeah, it was noisy you, and abrasive i mean it's just you like, imagine they're in a cave yeah exactly real. i mean that's part of the awesomeness of in a flat yeah. field i i do right. think that they did a lot of interesting um things on this record um but yeah i kind of go back and forth um at the end of the day, I probably agree with you. I probably think that in a flat field is um, uh, probably the one that I would revisit mm -hmm. more often. Um, and I would probably say is my favorite Bajas record. But my favorite Bajas song isn't even a, it's a non-album track. And that's, uh, well, there's so many good non-album tracks by <laughs> Bajas actually. But Dark Entries, man, I love oh, yeah. that track. It is it's amazing. It's so good. Absolutely. And it's, it's yeah. basically, I, I'm going to say it basically is on in a flat field, even though it wasn't originally, mm -hmm. uh, but the reissue, it's the opening track on the reissue. Right. And it works great for that. Yeah. Actually. It probably yeah. should have been the opening track. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> uh, because honestly, uh, when you listen to it in that context, the mm -hmm. the actual opening track and I don't remember what is the actual opening track I is it don't have double to, dare 
that's it double dare yeah it sounds like a second track it doesn't sound like an opening track i agree yeah (laughs) like yeah so i thought it was an odd choice that they opened the record up with that anyway yeah uh but yeah i I may that's probably why they put it on the reissue yeah (laughs) they probably just were like hey why didn't we put this on here like well, it, yeah, it's cool. It's cool to hear. I've always felt like Bauhaus uh, had a real strong start, obviously. And then I feel like they were changing and growing and morphing and things like that. Um, but I think ultimately they sort of stopped doing this kind of funky syncopation stuff, mm-hmm. which for me is a good thing. For other people, maybe that's what they liked about Bauhaus. But um and they started to go in a little poppier direction. But what's cool is you basically get to continue that direction if you want to as a listener with Love and Rockets. Like, I think Bauhaus got to a certain point, and then Love and Rockets essentially continued on that trajectory. And so it's kind of cool. We don't, and Tones on Tail is definitely the in between for sure. And so I think it's cool that except for Peter Murphy, all those guys kind of kept playing together and we sort of get to listen to that evolution over numerous bands, but also many years. So that's just something I wanted to throw in there is like, if you like Bauhaus and you're like, Oh, I wish they would have made more music. You can essentially continue listening to them for, Um, for decades. Do you know know the reason why uh, Peter Murphy kind of, quit playing with those guys no and i don't know if they quit playing with him or vice versa well, or whatever i have no idea so the fourth so. album which i haven't listened to yet mm-hmm. um the whole time that they uh were recording that record um peter murphy was ill like he had pneumonia and all kinds of mm. crazy shit going on so they just like he sang on like i think three or four of the tracks and then the other members did like vocals on it because they, yeah, it's interesting you mentioned the whole rushed thing because I noticed I read a review on Mask that actually said kind of the same thing. And oh, yeah. if you do look at the four records that were released in the 80s, mm-hmm. I mean, they came out one one year apart. So they, I, oh, I, yeah. I think it definitely does yeah. seem like, I, I think there's something to what you just said about how they, mm-hmm. Kind of, we're just like, oh, we need to get we need to get this record out pronto, and, and I right. think I think that kind of just didn't sit well with Peter Murphy that they kind of essentially did a record without him, and then that's after that yeah. is when they broke up and the they formed Love and Rockets, and Peter Murphy went on. I think he did a solo career for a while or something. Yeah, and it's pretty good. I mean, I love Peter Murphy's voice. And oh, so, absolutely. Um, he could sing anything and i'd be pretty into it probably (laughs) sure i even listen to other bands because they they sing like peter murphy in the band like and there's there's a a neo kind of goth band uh called she wants revenge oh yeah yep i i love them and i know for a fact the reason is is because the guy sounds just like peter murphy and which is 100 percent on purpose it's not an accident by any means no not at all not at all (laughs) yeah so, but yeah, and then there's also Tones on Tail, who I think technically probably only had one record in like 1984. But um, I think that, yeah, it was Daniel Ash and Kevin Haskins. Um, 
and David J, I believe. So I think it's everyone but Peter Murphy. Wow. So, yeah. And then I think Love and Rockets was Daniel Ash and what? David J. And yeah, Kevin Haskins. I think it's all of them. So they they did reun they had a reunion album in like the two thousands like right yeah uh but wouldn't it have been great if they would have called tones and tales uh, everyone but peter murphy yeah pretty much <laughs> that would have been great if they just would have <laughs> named it that yeah everyone but peter <laughs> everyone but peter <laughs> like the first song is some tv theme show yeah. <laughs> or a tv theme song excuse oh, me oh man it'd be even yeah. worse if it was an actual show like for 30 minutes like it's a 30 minute episode of a show audio that's like the first track <laughs> i like it yeah we should maybe we should write that ourselves maybe we should write a musical about peter murphy quitting (laughs) everyone everyone but or just write an entire sitcom about it just you know like have somebody dressed as peter murphy oh yeah at the end of every at the end of every episode we're like oh peter yeah then he just acts all depressed the whole time just because you weren't in tones and tales oh boy oh yeah man. all right <laughs> um so that's a great segue into your next yeah. pick well maybe i'm gonna say it's a it's a great segue into that so my third choice for this week was charlie i don't i still don't know if you say majera or magera yeah i would guess majera that's how i'm gonna say it charlie majera and the modern dance club the record's called love police um, I think I mentioned this last time that uh, Joe, the singer from Peanut Ricky, told me about Charlie Majera. And the reason they told me about it is um, the record Tomorrow's Gone, which is very twangy, Twin Peaks-ish, reverb, you know, all the stuff I love and I'm always talking about. Um, so I love that record. And we talked about that fake soundtrack called you're not from around here and charlie majera's on that right so i decided to give this a listen oh um, okay so he's he, yeah he was one of the artists on that that makes sense yeah yeah he they i think the song tomorrow's gone was the song on that comp so um yeah uh this one's pretty different though actually it's not all different but i had started to make a list of things that you might um if you like it, you might like this. And it turned a little ridiculous. So I'll just say them all. I'll say them as I typed them. Uh, for fans of The Modern Lovers, uh-huh. John Spencer, uh-huh. Jay Retard, uh-huh. but also kind of revivalist uh, things that do sort of um, like sambas and things. So like King Kong and Barbecue yep. Show. Yep. And like Shannon and the Clams, even um, never heard but them. Then it, it's it's kind of like King Kong and Barbecue Show. There's a lot of sure. you know rumbas sure. and things, but also it's very much like Dead Moon, uh, yep, and Mazzy Star and Sonic Youth, um, re- and re- Bauhaus. Real, <laughs> I mean, it's real quick. Um, it's all over. <laughs> right after I listened to this record, last track, you know how Spotify yeah. will start playing uh, the first track or another yeah. track from another artist that's recommended. If you like, mm-hmm. they started playing a dead moon after. I okay. Got... <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it go. just, it, it, I won't say it sounds like dead moon, but it feels like it. 
if that makes any sense. Like Absolutely. vocally, it might sound like it a little, but it's noisy. It's like rocking, like rock and roll music. It's twangy. It's dark. It's gothy. It's fun. It's irreverent. I don't know. Somehow it all works together, even though it jumps from one thing to the next. Every song, it, it somehow still creates a cohesive atmosphere. And uh, I thought it was a lot of fun. It is a little jarring, though. I won't say it's a, a record you can climb into and just live there. Like, I think it's jarring in its own way between the songs. But I don't know. If some part of you loves Dead Moon and Jonathan Richmond, then you'll like this. So I don't know <laughs> how else to describe it. So what do you think, Dan? Man, I thought this was just an amazing record. Um, I mean, just so many interesting things going on. I mean, like the first track is essentially kind of like a sound collage or something. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know that like when I saw that there were 31 tracks, I was like, (laughs) is this a double album? But then I saw the length of all the songs. Right. I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, I mean the, the, uh, the the actual length this is like less time than some some albums that have four songs you know right. like <laughs> like like a sun record or something is 76 minutes long with like four tracks or something you know or whatever you know mm-hmm. i'm i'm going to say that i'm not very well versed on sun but you know what i mean Dr- yeah. drone bands do that a lot mm-hmm. um but uh yeah and then all of a sudden the second track is like this instrumental surf rock sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> then it goes into like straight up punk. That sounds like a cross between to me, uh, some of the punkier songs sounded like a cross between like dead Kennedys and Chrome, like yeah. early Chrome. Hmm. Uh, the song existence really got me thinking another yeah. band, uh, earlier, uh, sort of like recordings from this band, but the riff at the beginning of existence sounds like Melvin's like hmm. Ozma Ari, Ozma era Melvin's the second okay. record wow. uh, with like blood curdling screams that almost reminded me of like unsane or something. It gets there. Yeah, it does then, go that far. And then, there, <laughs> Just yeah, as and a then warning. there's, then there's like yeah. <laughs> guitar solos yeah. with like, classic rock boogie thrown in uh yeah there's like a spy music on it kind of uh yeah <laughs> lots of reverb and twang some of it sounds yeah. like spaghetti western type stuff yeah uh and then parts of it like you said sound like sonic youth particularly the parts uh where sonic youth have lots of feedback yeah for um sure. used to be psychic youth yes that sounds like Bajas mixed with the Pixies to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, there's stuff that sounds like movie scores. Yeah. And then it ends with just a straight up blues song called Dead Girls Blues. <laughs> yeah, it's like right. 31 tracks of just, I mean, it's almost like bam, bam, bam. This is the history of rock and roll right in front of you. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, as, as like the history of garage and primitive and yeah, punk rock. I mean, yeah. Some of it sounds like it belongs on amphetamine reptile. Some of it mm-hmm. sounds like it belongs on, I don't know, Ipecac. And then some of it sounds like it belongs, like you said, alongside 
Jay Riotard, Ty Siegel, and stuff like that. And I then mean, other parts of it sound like they should be on Sun Records. Yeah, so, yeah. Too. And <laughs> so, then then yeah. some parts of it even sound like they should be on like Stax or Motown. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's just it goes everywhere. It goes it really everywhere, does. and yeah. most of the songs they're almost like little ideas. Most of them are. I, I agree. Just like yep. you know, minute a minute long, but but they sound so complete. They don't sound like incomplete ideas, you know? No, they sound fully formed. They, they sound like someone realizing that if they kept going, they would just be repeating themselves. So yeah. what's the point? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's just, ah, man. Yeah, this this was a great pick. Five out of five. <laughs> nice. I mean, uh, I, I love this record. This is another one that, you know, piqued my curiosity so much that I... Uh, went back and listened to it like nice I, I didn't listen to the whole thing a couple of times yeah. because like you said after you listen to it once you kind of like i kind of went back and just listened to my favorite parts of it right for sure yeah but it's gonna be on my i'm gonna keep it on my spotify playlist or at least in my memory nice it's another record that i i think if i found it on vinyl for the right price, I probably would buy a physical copy of it if I mm -hmm. came across it. And I don't buy physical music anymore. Right. <laughs> you know, not because I don't want to, because I want to, I just don't have the money for it. Yeah. Well, I don't know well. how some of these people do like people who I know that are poor. Hey, I just yeah. bought um, Metallica's black record on, I don't know, vinyl that had blood in it for yeah. like 60 bucks. <laughs> Really? Because last week yeah. you were talking about how. Well, anyway, uh, nonetheless, <laughs> I'm not. It's probably connected. <laughs> yeah, probably. And you know what? Actually, um, I can't talk because I do the same shit all the time. I can't talk. I don't buy yeah. Metallica albums with blood in them, but <laughs> I buy other things that have blood in them. So <laughs> I hope you're talking about comic books. Yeah. Comic books that are inked with blood. <laughs> you remember, okay, good. You remember the whole thing that actually happened with kiss, the kiss comic. Yeah. Book. Yep. Yeah. I do. I heard that. Yeah. I think it was like, I don't think it was actually inked in blood, but they actually had like, they like dropped a drop of, yeah, dropped a drop or something, or something like yeah. that. But yeah. for real though, I'm the same exact way. I'll be like talking about how, Oh man, I got to make my uh, cell phone payment. Oh, look, it's this thing. Yeah. And it costs the same amount of money to pay my cell phone bill. I think I'm going to get this thing and then complain about how, you know, I can't make ends meet. <laughs> I do the same yeah. fucking thing. I do it all the time. I think we have to in this country. Like it just happens. You know what I mean? Like it's if, hard not to. Yeah. If you're into stuff, if you're into anything, it happens. You know what I mean? It's, it's yeah. crazy. Um, so my next, uh, so yeah, no, uh, listeners, I wasn't trying to like, I, I do the same thing. Trust me. <laughs> like I'm, I'm an idiot a lot of times, <laughs> but, um, anyway, pulsars, uh, yeah. Self-titled record. I said that I wasn't going to pick it as one of my picks last week, but I, I just had to. Um, I actually, uh, this is the last CD that I actually bought. Hmm. <laughs> the last nice. physical CD that I bought. Um, and it's fairly recently that I bought it. Um, 
and uh, it's not on Spotify, and I don't like to listen to records just on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is I kind of had to buy this, you know. Uh, I know that you've got you've got some stuff to say about this record, Eric. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, for me, I mean, this is just another weird gem that uh, was around when I was in high school that I'm both surprised and also I'm not surprised that I didn't discover it then. I mean, it's, Mm. it's, it's one of those weird releases that kind of, it's kind of, um, kind of, I I don't want to say mainstream, but it's, it's definitely like when you listen to it, it, it definitely is just kind of, on the surface, like it sounds like it's just kind of like pop songs, which it basically Mm -hmm. is, you know? So it definitely is a little, um, uh, I guess, um, conventional in that sense. Um, so, but it also just has all these like weird quirky elements, which a lot of that is because of the, um, the synthesizers and stuff, Mm -hmm. which really wasn't, a popular thing in like 97 to combine rock Tell me music. about it. <laughs> That's. And, and when, when, when Just we get, kidding. when we get to you, Eric, I, I know that you're going to have a lot to say about this. No, no, no. Um, totally understandable. But so this band was a two piece from Chicago and the two members were brothers. They did release a couple of EPs, but then they were signed to, and I thought this was really interesting. Herb Alpert's label. Almo yeah. sounds. Um, so they were an indie band. Um, now I found in my research, the album was described as in the moment behind the times and looking to the future. And honestly, <laughs> in 97, yeah. I couldn't think of a better description for this record. That, <laughs> that really is just like how I would describe it because you know, I started thinking about it. It's in the moment because it sounds like a nineties rock band, like a Mm nineties alternative rock band behind the times, because they're using at the time, which was considered kind of outdated synthesizers type stuff. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, new wave had happened and, you know, like it wasn't cool to really embrace synthesizers in, in the nineties. And Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? At least not in the way they were doing it. Yeah. And then looking to the future, because guess what? This is another group that's just kind of was ahead of their time in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, my favorite songs on here, like Tunnel Song, mm-hmm. Suffocation, Submission Song, which I mentioned on the last. Uh, that song reminds me of something you would have written, which mm. I'm sure we're going to hear about why that is. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Silicon Teens, which is about the group silicone teens Mm -hmm. uh it's just a really fun like silicone teens for the people who don't know is about a synth novelty band basically Mm -hmm. maybe that's not the right way but that's kind of what it sounded like. they're pretty novel yeah yeah i mean because they did a bunch of synth covers basically it kind of reminds me a little bit of like the the moog cookbook that came out you know yeah uh, Ode to a Devil, Save You. I mean, it's kind of mm-hmm. like, to me, this record is just the best parts of 90s alternative rock with kind of a punk edge to it, an 80s new wave mixed into one. 
Mm-hmm. Like it totally was a record of its time. It sounds like it was recorded in the night in the late nineties. Cause it was, but using like eighties technology. I don't know if that's, uh, I mean, mm-hmm. am I kind of on the, on the mark there, Eric, what I think, so. what do you have to say? Yeah. What do you have to say about this record? Well, first, yeah, let me say that, um, I haven't listened to this record since probably the year 2000. That has to be In probably the, the last time. Yeah, right. <laughs> you remember re- like when he did, I'm sorry to interrupt, but you remember <laughs> when he did that? You remember when he did that? Um, Conan? Uh, Conan, he did that until yeah. like the year 2005. Right. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. But yeah, um, so the reason I haven't listened to this in 20 plus years is because it is 100. I don't, I don't know if I have another record that's so intrinsically linked to a time period in my life. And even though I talk about a lot of music from the past and things, I really don't enjoy nostalgia. Like I really don't like thinking about, the past and like really spending time there. Um, I'll reference it or I'll remember a funny thing that happened or whatever, but I don't, I, yeah, I don't, I don't sit around and drink and talk about high school and shit like that. It's just not who I am. So, um, yeah. So this record, I haven't listened to it in a long time. It's, and it's because it was so, linked to a specific time period in my life. And that time period was the time period I had a band called Gimpy. And that was from basically 97 when this record came out to about legendary. Yeah, sure. Uh, Until about 2000. And, um, and yeah, so this really took me back and I, I really enjoyed it and it's fun and it was actually fun to go back and think about some things like the first song Wisconsin. Um, oh yeah. The first road trip, my wife, my current wife, <laughs> not me, my only wife, um, <laughs> who was my girlfriend at the time, this had to have been in yeah, 2000 probably. We drove to Wisconsin Dells to Tommy Bartlett's robot world because <laughs> of this song. Hold, hold, the songs hold, of hold, about Robot World. Hold on a second. Okay. <laughs> what is this place called? It's called Tommy Bartlett's Robot World. And where is it? In Wisconsin Dells. And what is it? It is basically. Uh, hmm. A glorified science center. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> um. It's it, it's amazing. It is amazing, but it's so trashy. There's videos on um, <laughs> on YouTube of Robot World and uh, Tommy Bartlett's Robot World, and people walk through it and, and like give you the tour on video. Just watch one of them. It <laughs> I'm, is I'm gonna so fun. It's the funnest. And uh, that this sound this sounds like the perfect record to be listening to on the road. Trip oh there. yeah, yeah, it was, and I. I mean, I've probably listened to this record. I I can't honestly even tell you. It just was playing in the background for four or five years of my life. And so, um, 
Yeah, and I always assumed that if I did listen to it, I would get sad and nostalgic and blah, blah, blah. But instead, I actually really enjoyed it. And I, um, yeah, so I guess at the time, I'll talk about that a little bit. Yeah, it was not cool to play music like this. Gimpy was a new wave band. And as far as we knew when we started it, we were the only current new wave band in 1997. You but should really over... replace the word. You should really yeah. replace new wave with amazing. I'm not kidding. You should just say you were an amazing band. Because you were, Eric. But, you were. Well, thanks. But I mean, it was purposefully new wave. And I don't know. We didn't know of anyone else doing that where they were like, well, let's sound like Devo. Like no one wanted to sound like Devo. It was passe it was it was lame and so as time went on we found other bands that were like us like pulsars and like um even you know like trans am and things that might have been noisier they still have that same kind of idea and so we had to start collecting and listening to as much as we could of other people that were similar just to feel connected um and so but it wasn't very popular. We tried really hard, and um, and people didn't really get into it. Uh, with that being said, though, this record's awesome, and this is what Gimpy would have sounded like if I were would have been a more experienced songwriter, and if we were able to have produced our recordings ourselves. Um, and I I just loved revisiting this. I had so much fun listening to it. And the thing is, is the reason I liked it was all that new wave, synth, sci-fi, novelty element of it. But upon re-listening to it, it's so good. These songs are so good and so well produced. And it's it's all it's like epic at times. It's it's almost like polyphonic spree or tripping daisy or even enon or whatever, like these or even flaming lips at times where it's like big, epic, grandiose moments, even neutral milk hotel and stuff like trumpets come in and horn sections. And it's like really, really good music. And I wish I wouldn't have been so adverse to going back and listening to it again, because I feel like I would have enjoyed it this whole time, you know? And so that's the funny thing. Like I try to avoid nostalgia, but at the same time it gets in the way sometimes of re experiencing something. And so that's, you know, whatever. I don't know what that is. A little bit of insight, um, that I should have listened to this more in the past, but, um, it was super fun to revisit. I'm super glad you picked it. And when you first picked it, I was like, Oh shit, I have to, I have to listen to this record now. <laughs> and I've been avoiding it for so long, but, um, it, it's awesome. I really enjoyed it. So, yeah. Yeah. The songs on it are amazing. There's, uh, you know, I was, I was really impressed with what they were able to achieve with just two guys. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so underrated too. Like nobody, yeah. it's just a lost gem. Um, I agree. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah. The horn sections make it sound very, um, you know, during those parts, I also just the lyrics too. the lyrics yeah, are just, they're a lot of fun there. And some of them are just so dumb, <laughs> like, oh, for sure. you know, just like, um, well, like submission, 
you know, yeah. submission song, <laughs> submission to, to the, the master. master. That is so yeah, good. It's so good. And again, yeah. that totally reminds me of something you would have written with Gimpy, like that song yeah. in particular. Um, I can see that tunnel song, you know, uh, Pittsburgh has a real cool tunnel. <laughs> like it's just about these tunnels. Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, I love tunnels. I get it. <laughs> but then you have songs like that are just really I feel almost like vulnerable and honest like suffocation. Like yeah. loves like suffocate. And like the yeah. melodies sound like almost like Beach Boys or something, you know? Like Right. It's and then and then you have the Silicone Teens which is just meant to be like like that song in particular reminds me of like they might be giants, you know sure. what I mean? Yeah. Or something like it's just there's so many things going on in this record. I, I just I wish they would have made more stuff and I wish they would have eventually just mm-hmm. gotten but you know, at the same time, I'm also kinda glad this is the only yeah. artifact from the band that exists. Yeah. There's sort of like mixed emotions. Those of you who are into like anything that we just described here, uh check this yeah. record out it's on youtube unfortunately they didn't put it on spotify mm-hmm. but um it's just a really bizarre artifact from like 97 that yeah you know it just seems like only a few people discovered it but the ones that are into it are really into it and also sure. um <clears throat> if you want to you might hate me for doing this eric oh, but okay <laughs> if you want to see what gimpy was about our uh, wonderful friend Chuck. Um, <laughs> oh wait, I'm not supposed to call him wonderful, am I? Um, wonderfully terrible. Okay, uh, Chuck. Chuck. Uh, Chuck, if you're listening, um, thank you for uploading. And again, Eric might hate me for plugging this, but um, <laughs> there's actually a live performance. I am going to warn you that the audio is not the greatest live performance from this place. I think it was Peabody's and Moline of Gimpy mm. on YouTube that exists now. And mm. uh, if you want to, I haven't know actually what, watched it yet. So you haven't watched it I don't yet. Know, no, I, I, again, I get, I get really uh, strange about that stuff. You know, okay. it's hard, uh, but since Is I it haven't okay seen for it, me to plug I, it or I should ass- I, yeah, no, I, I ass- no, okay. no, I assume it's awesome. Dude, um, <laughs> until most, I watch it, I can't, I can't know. So it's like, dude, yeah, <laughs> most of the songs, most of the songs were not on the album mm, that you played. Nice. Like, and so Secrets. when you say, if you would have been a more experienced dude, those songs <laughs> would have been, if you would have made a second record with those songs and better production. Yeah. Dude, I think it would have been just as good as the Pulsars. Hmm. Well, thanks. Yeah. I mean, or at least, you know, or at least it would have, you know what I mean? It would have, because I mean, Gibby with Sparkles is a great album. It's just, you know, like you said, it suffers from the production, which it sounds like the guy who you're the guy who recorded it was kind of, he just wasn't into what you guys were doing, basically. I don't think he'd recorded stuff like that. So, he, it, yeah. Yeah. It, it, and that's, that's the way it is. I mean, sure, yeah, honestly, no. at the time, even sound guys didn't know what to do with us. Well, in, like, in, in 99, um, so. now it's a different a different thing. Right. You hear drum machines all the time and stuff, yeah. you know. But yeah, in 99, <clears throat> there was still that attitude that drum machines are inferior because everything had to be yeah. real and organic in the 90s. 
Yeah, the only real instrument we had was a guitar. So it's like right. someone coming from like an old school, like 70s classic rock. Well, I guess it wasn't classic rock in the 70s, but 70s rock and roll kind of background. Yeah, yeah it wasn't. It wasn't the greatest match, but I mean, we did what we did and I am grateful for the opportunity and the experience. And I'm not just bullshitting like that record would not have gotten made if it were up to us to be able to do it. So sure. I'm glad that, yeah, the songs helped are, to make it. So the yeah. songs overshadow the production anyway, yeah. in my eyes. I mean, I think. I don't even think about the production on it when I'm listening to it, you know, mm-hmm. but, yeah. um, I will say though, you mentioned that robot world. Yeah. <laughs> you know what it sounds like to me? What's that? Sounds like the Flintstones theme park in Arizona. <laughs> that, did you know there's a Flintstones theme park in Arizona? No. Uh-uh. And it's, I guess like really like, some mag, I think it was Rolling Stone did an article on it or something. And they called it like the most depressing place on earth. Cause nobody ever oh, went to it. Maybe I have seen pictures of that. Is <laughs> it just closed down now? I think so. Yeah. But I have you were seen able, those pictures. They like, had, um, food stands where you could get like bowls of like cocoa pebbles and fruity pebbles <laughs> like you could actually buy like bowls. oh man great <laughs> just the weirdest things like flintstones theme park um yeah. <laughs> so uh yeah um I, if you guys want to know more about you know what eric is talking about with his old man gimpy definitely check out that youtube video um and uh yeah it it's it's good stuff um i i was a big fan um still am and, and i'm also a fan of eric's new solo record um <laughs> his tape um sorry i'm plugging a lot of stuff for oh that's here, cool. eric. <laughs> um and uh it is fantastic some people i guess have said that it sounds kind of like uh galaxy 500 um I don't think that that's too far off the map, honestly. Yeah, um, I still need to listen to them. So <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe I'll pick uh, a oh, record from yeah. them. There you go. Week. Just start using this show to force me to listen <laughs> to force things. Force you to listen to stuff. That's a great um, idea. <laughs> I'll remember. Well, um, apparently, I did that with pulsars. Yeah. Um, well, no, that that's it was great. I was glad that you picked it. Yeah. <laughs> but um, Eric Whitaker's solo. Um, album is called I'll Remember You This Way and uh, it's fantastic you guys check it out Um, thanks and then uh, a couple of other things to plug here Um, this also has to do with Eric (laughs) oh boy Um, it is that uh, I we forgot to mention that uh, Eric was on another podcast when was this like a couple weeks ago Eric yeah yep I was cheating Yes, he was I was running on around on Dan um, yeah. when I was sick, nonetheless. Um, yeah, but uh, man's got uh, needs. <laughs> exactly. I hear I see radio episode yeah. 116. I haven't listened to it yet, but it's on my playlist. Um, and uh, it uh, it was basically an interview with you, wasn't it, Eric? Yeah. Uh, Justin Comer of iowa city uh runs uh 
this thing called I hear, I see. Um, the I see is just the letters like Iowa City. I don't think he started it, but he's been running it for a while. And what it was was kind of like shows where he would kind of pair up, you know, different kinds of people in the scene, whether they be at uh, the university and school for music or if they're from the DIY scene or whatever and kind of trying to bring them together. And so I performed and I hear I see a few years back uh, solo. And then I did one with a group we called uh, the Demon Possessed, which was uh, Sean Jones and Phil Mall and myself. And so because of that, when my tape came out, Justin asked me to be on the uh, podcast. So that's that's why I was on there. <laughs> so. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, uh, I remember um, the Demon Possessed when you guys were called Miracles of Light. Uh, yeah. Was that... Uh, it was what was our name at that or point? Or was it Miracles Mecha- of Light? Mechanics of Light. Mechanics yeah. of Light. That's yeah. Miracles of right. Miracles of Light sounds cool too. Yeah. But Mechanics of Light, that's it. Yeah. Um and then you guys changed your name to the Demon Possessed. Yeah, on a drunken whim on my part at a show. <laughs> really? Yeah, at a show. So then we got on stage and um I think Phil or Sean said, Well, I guess we're called the Demon Possessed now and then we played. <laughs> Because I was just like, we should be called the Demon Possessed because this is the best band name ever. And they were like, okay, whatever, you know. That's hilarious. I remember um, my old band played with you guys when it was Mechanics of Light, Mm -hmm. uh, Abnormal Man. Yeah. And and then the other Anomander. Yeah. So it was like Anomander, which is pretty similar to what you guys were doing, kind of. Yeah. Um, I don't want to say noise because it wasn't just noise. No, uh, they were a little more like uh, Transam, maybe. Tra- yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like sort of stuff. And then Abnormal Man, which we were basically just psychotic rock and roll at yeah. times. Uh, <laughs> and, and with uh, we uh, we OK, we told ourselves that we were going to play Ramon style. And not mm-hmm. stop between the songs. Yeah. And then Jeff was just like, oh, God. This, like, he would say things like, oh, God, <laughs> the set never ends. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you're the one. Who, well, I think we all kind of, like, he wanted, like, I remember saying, like, maybe we should not do, like, do that. Because some of our songs are like five minutes long. Hmm. Like, with the Ramones, it makes more sense. You know right. what I mean? <laughs> they got to like, get some, some of our yeah. songs are five minutes long and Jeff is a really good fucking drum, energetic yeah. drummer too. Mm-hmm. And like, so I was like, dude, like, are you sure you're okay after playing this six minute song? <laughs> just to start the next one. Yeah. yeah. Just to start the next one. Oh, I'll be okay. And then like he would, after like five songs, Oh God, it's the set that never <laughs> ends. Like he actually said that one time. Oh, man. Yeah. And uh, yeah. It, that was an interesting show. Um, that was it was cool though. Was that at the Trumpet Blossom? Yes, it was at the Trumpet Blossom. So I think that was the show where I changed the band name. <laughs> yeah, probably was. <laughs> yeah, I think mm. I think so. I think so. Oh, but wow. um, <laughs> uh, I I guess I don't remember, but I mean that probably was it. 
<laughs> if, if you say it was it, it was it. Eric. I mean, maybe. I don't really remember either. <laughs> but um, JL and all the guys mm-hmm. from Zool, they were in Anomander. Right. And now Zool, I don't know if you heard their recent album, Zool has basically went into a direction that was like Anomander. Oh, so really? No, I, I haven't think, heard the yeah, new one yet. So I kind of think cool. that... I kind of think that Anomander was sort of, well, because their drummer left, so now JL plays drums in Zool. Oh, okay. And well, he maybe does we vocals. maybe we should review that. Dude, next time. We, oh wow, I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Yeah, that and you know what, good. J JL would actually be a good guy to have on the podcast. JL, if you happen to listen to this at all, <laughs> you're welcome to come on the podcast. You're being called out, bud. Um, but um, <laughs> I didn't even think of that. Uh, anyway, um couple more things that i want to plug here um first of all as always uh you can contact us on our instagrams i'm dan underscore the underscore ruler mm-hmm. uh yeah. eric is old man eerie all one word lowercase yep eerie right. spelled e-e-r-i-e yeah uh, also um i just want to say that um this is a kind of a milestone uh, i've been keeping track of uh the downloads and i want to thank all of our listeners out there um we just reached over 500 downloads which means that you guys are listening and we appreciate that that's amazing yeah so thank you very much guys for all of the support um and uh yeah this is a podcast that i started with the intent of me interviewing people Hmm. and then after the good conversation actually great conversation that i had with eric on the second episode i thought you know me and eric we always had great conversations and so i just kind of had the um idea to ask him to be like my co-host yeah and now i consider eric as part of accelerative thrust uh you know like you're basically part of accelerative thrust now eric yeah as far thanks. as i'm concerned thanks absolutely for having me yeah oh absolutely this has fun. been I actually think that having you around has improved the direction of the podcast immensely well, in my opinion. Like, cause you know, I mean, I just, you know, when it's one person interviewing, that's kind of cool, but you know, two people talking about, you know, their passions, whether it's yeah. music and whether it's comic books or robot world or Flintstones <laughs> theme parks, mm-hmm. food, we talk about food a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> it's all good, man. I just yeah. want to say thank you, Eric, for being. Oh a part yeah, of thanks, this. thanks so much for having me on here. It's been really fun, and it's Absolutely. forced uh, forced me uh, to listen to a lot of music. Now, <laughs> it's pushed yes. me into listening to a lot more music, and that's something that can only be a good thing. So, and that's yeah. that's one of the things that I think is great is that we're getting each other into a lot of stuff. Yeah, I think so. I mean. I never would have heard fire tools. I never would have heard, um, uh, you know, Charlie, how do you say his last name? Majera. Majera. That's it. Something like that. Never would have heard that. I never would have heard ESG. Yeah. Nice. I never, never would have heard Nickelback. (laughs) Um, you know, if, if I hadn't started doing this podcast. Oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, it is hard for me not to pick a Nickelback album every week. Um, <laughs> It'd be crazy if they just became like a noise band for one album. Oh, I think it's noise. 
Yeah, it is noise. That's true. How it's many noise. albums do they have? Let's see. How ah. many can I? How many weeks in a <laughs> row can I pick a Nickelback record? That's what you know. Honestly, we should do an episode where we just we each decide to listen to their discography and review it. Okay. <laughs> It looks like they have like maybe ten records. What? I don't You're know. Me. I'm I'm just looking at the. They have that many records. Are Spotify. You yeah, it looks like it. Yeah, but, but our some of them might be like greatest hits or something. So let's see: one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine. They have nine on wow. Spotify. I like how I was quiet and just let you keep counting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We have really wasted a lot of time on this episode. <laughs> two hours yeah, in. It's almost two, two hours. The, and, and I'm just counting to nine slowly. Yeah. That's how you get the listeners right there. <laughs> exactly. That's how like, we're going to. Hey, tune in. Listen to me count slowly. <laughs> you guys are going to stick around for this, aren't you? Okay, so oh, with that shit. all being said, um, I think that it's time to yeah. cash in. Sounds um, good. <laughs> but, uh, yes, um, we will see you guys next week, and I hope you all have a wonderful week. Bye. Goodbye.